Awoga, this is a dwarf cast. Hello and welcome to the first in a new series of weekly commentaries, building up to the start of Series 11 by looking back on Series 10. Each weekend throughout August and the first bit of September, we'll be bringing you our long-awaited commentaries for each episode from the class of 2012, along with a mini-roundup of the latest developments ahead of the impending new series. Predictably, we're starting off with Trojan. But first, some news, with me, Ian Symes. And some news this week is that the episode titles and synopsises for Series 11 have been released. A crisis was narrowly averted when the information was accidentally published on the Dave website earlier this week, but that can of worms was shut when the page was given taken down. There's a full episode-by-episode episode analysis by Jonathan Capticaps over on www.ganymede.tv, and some interesting stuff has been brought up in the comments. Both Pota and Daryl have pointed out that Samsara, or Samsara, whatever it is, the title of episode 2 is a Sanskrit word referring to the cyclical nature of existence, much like the word Ouroboros does. Elsewhere, Jonsvad points out that the synopses suggest that each episode will focus on a different character, with the remaining two seemingly an ensemble piece and an episode where everyone's split into pairs. In other news, there'll be an advanced screening of Twentica in London on Monday the 12th of September, courtesy of BAFTA. All tickets are obviously long gone by now. Ali Green points out on GNT that this obviously means that the series will be broadcast at some point after that date, possibly even later that week. Meanwhile, today, Saturday the 6th of August, Robert Llewellyn tweeted to say that Red Dwarf 11 starts in probably just over a month, which would also tally with this, or it could be that Bobby himself doesn't know anything more specific than September and is therefore hedging his bets. And finally, a man has been banned from his children's school for wearing a Red Dwarf t-shirt to a sports day. This is a blatant example of the anti-Red Dwarf prejudice that we face every day, and we're assuming that Catelyn Moran is somehow to blame. Or it could be because the t-shirt in question had the word twat on it. And that's all the weather. So, without further ado, let's crack on with the commentary for Series 10, Episode 1, Trojan. Joining me back when we recorded this were John Hoare, Danny Stevenson and Joe Sharples of the official Red Dwarf fan club. If you'd like to listen along to the episode, press play on your video device after the pips. Please note that this commentary was recorded before the EU referendum and as such contains outdated references to the Prime Minister and a complete lack of overwhelming despair. Space Corps Directive 5011708109972 says all dwarfers must listen to Dwarfcast. Uh, uh, Mr. Rimmer, sir, I think you'll find... Shut up, Crichton, I'm right. Trojan, bigger yay. I watched Trojan four times before it was aired. Yeah, <laughs> really? No, tro the, when it was aired was the fourth time I'd seen it, because I was at the recording. Yeah. Then I was at the recording of Dear Dave, which they hadn't that written yet. And so they, to make up for the uh, shortfall of Dear Dave material to record, they showed Trojan. But that is really nice of them. Yeah, and then the premiere the day before of the uh, the finished version, and then it was on the telly. So it kind of dampened the thing of, oh my God, amazing brand new Red Dwarf <laughs> is on the telly, because I'd seen it. <laughs> <laughs> but still. And... Because you, because I wasn't at the Trojan recording. How 
is how you feel about the episode now and how you felt about it when it was finally broadcast and how you felt about it when it was recorded. Are they, broad- <laughs> are they broadly similar? Yeah. I think over time, I've uh, there's bits of it that I don't think are as successful. Mm-hmm. But I think... I think there's problems with the pacing, which you don't necessarily see on the night of the record. Yeah, it's um, really difficult to yeah. get to that. I don't think anyone can really no. figure that out. But the uh, yeah, the final version, I think it takes too long for Howard to turn up, and it's a bit of a wasted opportunity because there's so much more you could have done with Howard if you had the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you didn't really get that feeling on the night because it also it was recorded in chunks, so they. Uh, they did the roughly. They did the first ten minutes and the last ten minutes, and then they filled in the middle ten minutes. Now, well, right, I've, re- I've heard about this. Why did they do it like that? What was <clears> the particular reason in terms of costume? Was it? I think it was to do with costume, yeah, and I don't know. <laughs> Maybe bits of the Trojan set needed to be redressed or whatever. Um. You can probably go back and read our set reports to get a more accurate <laughs> version enough. of that, <laughs> rather than something that I'm trying to remember from four years ago. Oh. That mask uh, hasn't, hasn't yeah. I'd forgotten how bad it was, actually. Yeah, the Blu-ray is uh, beautifully, stunningly crisp, and that can sometimes be a problem. It's the bags under his eyes, he just looks like a robot who hasn't had enough sleep. Do I recall it gets slightly better as the series goes on? It does, yeah. I think after Christmas, uh, they shot um, Trojan and Fathers and Sons before Christmas, and then there was a little bit of a, of an extended time between yeah. that and Lemons, and I think by Lemons it improved somewhat. It, it even gets worse towards the end of this episode. As well. like <laughs> yeah. like how the lion over the tiger nearly sort of, you know melted. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a lovely wig though, on Chris Berry's head. <laughs> Is it a wig? Let's not get into that. <laughs> uh, Trojan, by the way, is according to the Silver Survey the thirtieth best episode of Red Dwarf. It did really well. It broke well into the top thirty-six, which is kind of the, uh, the thirty-six is the cut-off point. Yeah. It will be interesting to see what happens when yeah. an inevitable survey comes up at some point. Yeah, round about say uh, makes sense to do it around about the thirtieth anniversary of Red Dwarf. If someone wants to step up to the plate and do that. <laughs> uh, in fact, haven't we already said on Twitter that we're doing that? <laughs> so let's not be vague. Oh, <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, po- episodes that have recently aired when a poll takes place tend to do well and they tend to settle down a bit more yeah. the next time a big poll happens, so we'll see. But I don't think it's unfair. I think it's it's up there with some of the lower end episodes of the original Six series. Got some good Chris Berry face. <laughs> what was everyone tutting at while I was talking? Was it just the fact that I was talking? It, uh, yes. <laughs> no, I was tutting at the overly long joke that didn't need to be like, have you read this book? No, actually. Oh, it sounds like you have. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of stuff here that, well, in isolation, perfectly good on its own. The shopping channel and the pig racing and Rimmer's various bits and bobs. All together means that it takes a long time for anything to actually happen in this episode. Yeah. I do find it slightly strange that, um, I'm not saying you shouldn't, it just 
just it seems to me weird to do to almost to do shopping channel parodies in 2012 hmm. i don't want to go too far down that road because it's not like shopping channels a don't exist and b aren't watched by a lot of people and c don't make money because all three are true but it just seems like been done yeah a bit done I, but I do you... like their performances quite a lot, yeah. actually. I thought you were going to go down the the sort of the fictional side of that is having a shopping channel in deep space three it's, million years into the future. I mean, future. it is weird, and it does feel a bit like we had a lot of conversations at the time. Yeah, where we were trying to figure that out. The populated universe of... is kind of the phrase that we were using around the time. You, you've got the essential out. problem of Red Dwarf that that if you're going to have humans as the only beings in the universe, that's probably less realistic in inverted commas mm. I don't see a problem actually in, meeting aliens yeah, yeah. I don't see the problem in seeing a broadcast you know if the ship is heading back towards earth and therefore catching up with you know frequencies and whatever but the fact that they can still ring the number and it work is like really is it uh, in my head canon they're all droids they've drifted into sort of what would have been the last areas to be colonized by humans they've they've traveled that far Something yeah. might have happened in the nine-year gap. Yeah, yeah. That they've now travelled back towards our galaxy. Yeah. Uh, to such an extent that they're starting to wander into the areas where the last bastions of humanity were before humanity went extinct. Yeah. And so it's possible that old automated systems are still working, and that's why they're picking up broadcasts. That's why they confirm yeah. the number. Yeah. That could could even account for the stuff like the GMC computer suddenly kicking in, and there's suddenly been rules in Dear Dave. Although I think the more likely explanation for that is, ah, I've got no script, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Rather than I, thinking about it too much like we do. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the time it takes to think about all these things and to spot all these little inconsistencies and to debate them and to come up to come to terms with them all is a luxury that the production of Red Dwarf does not have. No. It's like it, it takes more people more time than they could ever have to, to talk all these things through. Yeah. And also, I wouldn't want it to be all completely perfect and hermetically sealed, because then it would be boring. Mm. I mean, you run into this problem as early as... I don't quite want to say the post-pod, because that was tracking, but um, you've got Hudson 10. You've mm. got a lot of activity. Mm. It's kind of got more and more... As but the they've gone on, to be fair, they meet but... up with the Nova Five fairly soon yes, after that's the, true. after they t- you know that's true. Not long after they've been travelling at light speed and said that it'll take millions of years, to, thousands of years to turn round. That is very true. They bump into the Nova Five. <laughs> um, I remember at the time, and I'm kind of slightly, I'm genuinely annoyed by this because as much as anything else, it makes the dwarf cast more boring than it should be. <laughs> but I kind of I rewatched this episode in preparation for recording this and I kind of a lot of my opinions haven't changed in a way that I wish they had <laughs> my big problem with the phone plot as much as anything is it still feels like Doug conflating tech support and shopping yeah. channels yeah. because if you phone a shopping channel they will not keep you hanging they want your money yeah yeah <laughs> Immediately. Immediately, now, and then they want you off the phone because then you're going to go back to watching telly and you might buy something else. Yeah, and somebody else can get through yeah. and <laughs> buy the thing. So it doesn't do them any good to keep them hanging. <laughs> no. um, and this really annoyed me at the time. It yeah. still does. Well, the worst thing for that is like BT and people like that tend to be the ones that keep you hanging on. Yes, yes, it's all... Other yeah, telecommunications giants are also shit. Possibly. 
<laughs> but <laughs> my Just anecdotal balance. evidence says BT is the worst. This is, this is a good joke. This is a incredible joke, especially considering <laughs> there is no chair there. Yes. yes. That's just Chris Berry's tendons doing that. That's amazing. It's the bounce back as well. It's the bounce on the spring when he gets it back again. Chris. That's the level of, that's the detail that I like. It's such a different, it doesn't need to be there. That there. That, that is boat. good. That is really good. little bounce on the... Chris Berry is a brilliant physical comedian. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. It's so weird that Red Dwarf 10 and Back to Earth are the only TV comedies he's done like this century, <laughs> pretty much. Mm. Uh, he did, as far as I know, and correct me if I'm wrong, the only TV comedy that he's done is he did the pilot, uh, The Scum Also Rises. Oh, that was brilliant. And I then loved that. Prior to that, the last thing I can remember him doing was um, A Prince Among Men mm. and then Red Dwarf. And it's, Little Mix videos. If we yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he does he does documentaries, although those seem to have dried up as well. Yeah. But he does documentaries, he does a lot of corporate gigs. He had the Tomb Raider films, but yeah. he should be a far bigger star in he British should. TV comedy Absolutely. than he is. He was everywhere, like he had two big sitcoms in the 90s. He was all he was like a bit part in everything in the 80s. And now he sh- he, that shouldn't have stopped at but any I've, point. I've never been able to figure out how much of that is his choice and how much was TV execs being stupid. Mm. Um, because he presumably got to a point where he didn't need to take work unless it interested him. Yeah. So he starts getting a bit well, of Well, he a... definitely started to get picky about what he did around the mid to late 90s because he quit Red Dwarf. He said he didn't want to do <laughs> yeah. Brits anymore. Yeah. And then it got to the point where he was like, oh, maybe I do want to do those things. But, yeah, he should be bigger yeah. than he is. Oh, a chance reference. That's interesting. Yeah, there's a few uh, in the first few episodes of 10 because the plan was that she'd be back by the end of 10 in, in some way. We don't know what the plan was, but the two episodes that got dropped involved Chancey's return. And so it's foreshadowing for something that ended up not happening. And the first four episodes also have the linked parts of plot. Yeah, I was going to mention it just now when you see Crichton and Rimmer in the um, Trojan Bridge and they pick up the carbon rod. Yeah. That's that. Inanimate carbon. Yeah. That could be interpreted as the setup to the entire series, but it was never made explicit. Like the the idea behind it, which Doug has gone on record as saying that the idea would be that. Um, Everything stem that happens in series ten stems from Trojan. Everything so you've got the rods that end up being yeah. used and entangled. That's yeah. the only kind of direct link. But the idea would have been that pre would have come from Trojan, and yeah. um, mm-hmm. the rejuvenation shower and lemons would have come from Trojan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the show, it's just we found this. Mm-hmm. It yeah. doesn't say specifically where it's from. Mm-hmm. So you could inter. You, there's nothing to contradict the fact that it all comes from Trojan. Yeah. And I kind of assume it does. Yeah, yes, and it would all no. make sense. We found this ship and it's got this huge cache of stuff. Let's spend a few weeks exploring all this stuff. <coughs> I have to say, um, ah. I... Sorry, go on. <laughs> We've just talked over the best character-based moment in Red Dwarf for years. It is, and I was about to say that despite <laughs> my um, problems with this series, I can't complain about cats at all. The only no. thing is, where where's he been all these years? <laughs> yeah, why haven't we had this version of Cat for so long? It's so strange. But yeah, he's straight back on form. And, and what happens, I'm trying to figure out what 
almost what happened in Doug's head mm. that suddenly made Cat click again. Because Cat hasn't been right. Yeah. For Well I mean, maybe it was the fact that he hadn't written you know, these characters for so long and then he does back to earth and he sees the four of them all together again in character and as themselves and then maybe ad break. And then, <laughs> and then maybe it kind of reminded him a little bit. And he, he, Ten seems to be more written in an ensemble style than mm. than a few of the previous efforts have been, especially sort of Series Eight. There was you were always in tiny little pockets of you know you never you never you barely saw the five or six regular characters all together in one place. Yeah. Whereas in Series Ten they're together pretty much all the time or in pairs. So this clearly isn't anything to do with Crichton's Nega Drive. Or, or anything <laughs> like that. Maybe they were both developed by the same company at some point down the line. I mean, if if I'm going to be charitable, um, maybe we could say that just as Lemons is ticket to ride but done better. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should say beyond this is joke. Beyond a Joke but done better. Well, it is definitely better than Beyond a Joke. <laughs> it is. It is definitely. <laughs> I think even the staunchest critic of Series 10 would agree with that. <laughs> I I still don't like the spinning beach balls, and no, I've, I've tried to put into words exactly why, whether it's because it's too specific a reference or yeah. Because whatever, it's, but I just... it's rooted to Apple machines from this period of joke, history. Yeah, it's but, a meme in itself. Yeah. It is, yeah. but there are certain specific things in... In early Red Dwarf, that are very specific jokes. Like yeah. I don't Ishtar. complain about if that, that's what I was <laughs> going to bring up that I don't object to. So I'm trying to figure out whether it's because it's a visual. I don't know, but mm. it sits wrong with me. However, it is. I don't actually know though because I don't have Apple products. So is is that exactly what? Yeah, pretty much. It looks like that. That's like a, it it's does. like a spinning beach ball with like it's, maybe it's, it's spinning beach ball. It's like a little rainbow. Spin it's one of those that's yeah. just different enough to avoid. Uh, legal infractions, but it's yeah. <laughs> but you know exactly but, what it is. But you know what as well? It's so it's doesn't even happen very much anymore. So it's already getting slightly out of date mm, yeah. in terms of a thing. You just don't really. It's not that it never happens, but there's a reason I, why it became a thing. I disagree. And because it used to. <laughs> well, you do be video editing. Yeah, if you do a lot of video editing, you see the beach. I don't think most end users see it as much. But no, that's true. You know. Yeah, if you're using it as a as a PC. Rather than as a render farm or an edit suite or something. I mean, beach balls actually I, said it is well, It's not even. It's not even the fact that it's broken. It's the fact that it's busy. Yeah. Yeah. Not, but but then sometimes it thinks it's busy when it isn't, and then yeah, it's broken. The idea of the beach ball is always <laughs> never stopped. That's the joke. But yeah. I I do wonder whether it's partly the reason it sits badly with me is because it's the eyes, and the eyes are such a personal thing, and you're kind of I don't know. You've always got to be careful Windows when you do things so... with eyes. In anything. Yeah, eyes are the windows to the soul, not the OSX to the soul. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Other operating systems are available. <laughs> but yeah. I was wondering, would yeah, is it like because it's the beach balls, would you have been so bothered if it was like something else? Like I've maybe thought of little this. H's that were going around or hourglass. I've thought of this something and I, I actually thought in terms of like, is there a Windows equivalent or something or and is it a specific thing or or if it was H's and I It's a blue screen of death though, that's the I, that's the other thing. And isn't maybe it? if they'd that... made it unique. 
like Maybe. the gist of it being. If it'd be just like a Twitter of Twitch on it. Do you know what it is? It, it's exactly. I have exactly the same problem with the spinning beach balls in the eyes as I would if Crichton's monitor had a blue screen of death. Mm. I wouldn't like that. That's the that thing. I thought, that's what I think it is. Is the fact it's just it's in its personal. Yeah. 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 Like and you're removing yeah. character almost. You're you're turning you're turn the person into, into a joke. Tech. Yeah. Into a tech joke. Yeah. That's. Oh, the hat joke. Still here he is. Coming. What? Fifteen, twenty minutes in. <laughs> Is the is the main guester? How far are we in at the moment? Can we tell? Have we got? A... Uh, I don't want to risk pressing the wrong right, button. Fair <laughs> <enough>. <laughs> but, um... We're about fifteen odd minutes in. Uh, Mark Dexter is so good in this. He is. He's, He's really good. I remember cause right. the first thing you hear of you hear Howard before you see him. Uh, he's over the um, <laughs> radio earlier. <laughs> I say um, when I rewatched this episode, I'd forgotten about twat's line and. <laughs> Uh, you can't really argue with that line. <laughs> like, even if you're not keen on the episode, I don't think you can argue with that line. There's just there's loads of great stuff in this episode. Not all of it hangs together. I think there's pacing issues, but there's so much good stuff in the episode. I really, I do enjoy this scene. I do enjoy this scene quite a lot. Did you see Mark Dexter as um, David Cameron in Coalition, no. a Channel Four drama? No. He is scarily visually similar to David Cameron and it's not until you realise like I first came aware of it so, so he posted a picture of him dressed in a blue tie outside Downing Street and I was like shit <laughs> Mark Dexter is David Cameron but he is a David Cameron that if you follow him on Twitter you'll know he shares none of David Cameron's political beliefs and is more concerned about um, sampling as many bottled beers as possible. So <laughs> we like Mark Dexter. He's a lovely man. I do enjoy this joke as well. Yeah. Give him a hat. <laughs> it's because it all works on a character level. Yeah. It's This is why, why it makes such a strong opening episode, I think, because it, yeah. it subtly re-establishes the characters for those of those viewers that need them re-established yeah. but for those that remember them and remember the interplay between them it's just like it's like they've never been away it's like they they've all gone back to being well defined don't not you know there's always room for people to behave out of character and there's always going to be things that are different but the basics are all there like Crichton's no longer jealous and obsessive and and stuff he's just He's the the butter joke. He's still fussy, and he's still like he does bits and bobs of that. Yeah. Like Cat is no longer just stupid. He's also smart when it comes to being witty and funny and and checking out one-liners. Lister is back to being the moral heart, and Rimmer is a pernickety bastard. Yeah. And it's like it, it's putting them all in really simplistic terms, but it's good to have them back into that kind of classic state, the way that everyone remembers them. Yeah. It means you can get so many character I do like jokes cats. out, like cat chipping in. Don't worry about yeah. it. It's not helpful at all. Yeah, and yeah, we we glossed over it when it happened, but the cat getting a laugh just from entering the room while all the stuff about the moose is going on. Yeah, yeah. That like is this kind of thing that can only be really done on a well-established sitcom that's been going for years. Yeah, uh, but yeah. It's the audience are laughing in anticipation of what's going to happen, 
just from him walking into the room. I think it's an outstanding piece of Which links back into something I was reading recently about someone who said that comedy only works if they're surprised, and I disagree entirely, yeah. and that's the perfect example. Yeah. That you could also get comedy out of it. wasn't it you expect- who actually said that? I did tweet that, You yes. did, yes. <laughs> I remember it you now. But the, yeah, and that works as well, because you know exactly what's going to come. Yeah. And and that's funny. The fact that you know what the cat's going to do is funny. Yeah. But then he does it slightly quicker than you're in, expecting. You're expecting him yes, to true. give the answer Wait. away. Yeah. But he jumps in on Rimmer's question and says, "Is he Swedish?" So and arguably, the surprise is there. Actually, but ironically, the, you've just argued against the. But problem. no, but no, because the surprise is enhanced by the fact that you know what's coming. It's like it still would have been funny if he'd have done it that way, but it's an extra layer on top. Him inter- intercepting the question and saying, was he Swedish, wouldn't be as funny if you, you're you not already anticipating the cat to know the answer. Yeah. Whereas, this is another type of joke, which is the <laughs> bicycle joke. <laughs> which is... I, I actually quite, I don't mind it here, but I don't like thanks for showing me how to stay calm. It's That's kind of the explaining over-explanation, it, yeah. which does still crop up a it bit too much. Yeah. Not as, much Not as Series 8 level. No, it peaked. Yeah, it definitely peaked at one point. It was this, yeah. Howard's only just turned up, right? And this is pretty much the denouement of his plot. If anything, yeah, Howard gets annoyed much quicker than me. Than Rimmer did. <laughs> it's taken Rimmer absolutely years to get <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's taken Howard about five minutes to get that. One tour stage. of a quite small spaceship. <laughs> Though, I mean, this is something that struck me. Um, oh, have we had the? We haven't had the revelation yet that he's no. all right. Oh no. Well, now I brought it up. <laughs> um, I found it a bit weird that he's a vending machine repairman exactly <laughs> like Rip. That feels slightly too on the nose. Well, Almost maybe. like wouldn't you rather he was a different, still lowly? Yeah. It's like it's too similar. It's too. Well, maybe it, maybe it's a common thing though. Like in the Space Corps, like everyone this starts off at that level. This is good. <laughs> this is good, the leaning. Everyone starts off at that level and usually progresses quite quickly. So if you are a vending machine repairman, that's kind of, oh, he's a. It seems he's to me... never been promoted. He's gone in on the absolute lowest rung and stayed there. But aren't you missing out on a chance to do a joke about another job? Yeah. That's also. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm just we've, ha- a- we've had enough vending machine repairman jokes at this point. I'm ju- I'm justifying it in a headcanon making the plot work way rather than a comedic way. I'm yes, not saying that it wouldn't enough, be better enough. to make it. Something I don't know how many people know that Rimmer was a vending machine repairman. So if you say it as being something other than that, the connection isn't there for people who didn't know already. If you know what I mean. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a quantum twist. You should have had two places where you were at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lovely bit of design, though, that one. There was that whole thing that they were going to do and then didn't, that they talked about on the um, DVD of they were going to pretend that Trojan was moving when it wasn't and they were going to be. It was going to be inside Red Dwarf's landing base, yes. and they were going to run outside. The I love windows that here. idea. And there's I even running outside with just bits of space, bit like bits of cardboard. <laughs> there's footage on the documentary there's of them rehearsing them, it in the corridors. Yeah, isn't there? running alongside the corridors so, with bits of like 
um, nebula or something oh, going right, past. Okay. It's, yeah. it's a really good original idea that I've not heard done anywhere else. And but it's, it's one of the things you... where it would have to have been to do that quickly and get across the idea of that fast <laughs> enough. It would have been difficult, and then you'd have to have done the long joke, and that would have not been the best idea either. Mm. So I can see why they dropped it. It's a difficult one to make work, certainly. Mm. And you need um, a lot of strong model work to make it to sell it as well. Yeah, you need to build a landing bay. Well, I said they built a little, they built <laughs> a little bit for the uh, modular section, but they never finished. Yeah, yeah. They never got a little trojan to fit in it. See there, look like a bloody yeah. The top, his, his, his eyes are top like, eyelids are a bit melty. Like fucking cowardly life, Wizard of Oz. It's like. Um, <laughs> It's like um, more for Wallace and Gromit. You can tell, like towards the end of See, the day, there's bits of thumbprint on them. Yeah. <laughs> Crichton's eyes See are like. The world. <laughs> See the world. USB compatible. And that's an IBM ThinkPad keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> with, a, with a little red nipple. <laughs> I wonder if uh, Sim Crawford has little red nipples. <laughs> Oh, here we come to maybe not the best bit of acting Crayshaw's ever done. <sighs> this bit, yeah, this bit the jumpy up and down. It's the jumpy up and down I have a problem with. It's the spin. It's the it's... spin. I get the, the, the... I get the temptation that if you're going to do that, I get the temptation to do it over the top. I know what they're going for. But... I, w- I wonder <sighs> how many takes of this they did and if there are versions that are... This... Whether this is like... Yeah. They throw everything at it, but like the last take, let's just throw everything <laughs> at it. <laughs> because it's, it's clear that subtlety can be done. Yes. Because just that as that happens, great. a subtle visual gag with Cat just like casually glancing in as if it's nothing. Let's take kill Pound. <laughs> and Rimmer doesn't give a shit. <laughs> the common thread. Now that's horrible. Oh, the speed sped- it up. Oh, yeah. again, right. that doesn't work. And oh, that's better. Ah, no. It's uh, yeah. It suddenly look, it gives it an interlaced look rather yeah, than aggressive look. They, oh, they didn't. They needed it's, to then drop frames. Yeah, if they were going to be doing that. Yeah, and HD uh, Blu-ray release really gives it away. Um, I'm trying to think if it's in this scene or another one. I think there's another. No, it's not. There's another scene later in the series where they've clearly zoomed in and moving the camera, but they've done it at 50 fields, and mm-hmm. then the action is at 25. So the m- camera movement to the camera is at twice right, yeah. the temporal resolution to the rest of the action. It just looks really weird. I think it's later in the series, I'll point it out. Well, we'll get to that over the course of the next six weeks. Yes. I mean, it's not much of an advert for the <laughs> six weeks, but... Now... There's something struck me um, at this point in the episode when I was doing it, and it seems to me that the resentment gag is done one too many times. Yeah. Because Rimmer has it, then Howard has it, Sim has it, then Rimmer has it again, and it just gets too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Howard didn't need to have it then, because he was already dying. He could have just. Yeah. He could have just died. <laughs> he didn't need to have the resentment again. Yeah, if you yeah, go, have, if, it, have it twice. Yeah, if you're going to arbitrarily kill someone off. It's really weird. GMC. I <laughs> the general medical cancer. <laughs> Congratulations, Guys, you're now a doctor. For fuck's sake. <laughs> um, the other thing I have to say about this is I know I'm not 
I know most people don't feel it. I still hate Sim on the wall with the Sir Master. It feels weird to me. I don't like it at all. I think everyone's got one thing they really don't like in the series, <laughs> and that's almost it's that in the end of Entangled for me. But that just well, in, in so terms strange. of in terms of it, it feels a bit uncomfortable. You mean it feels? I don't like. Yeah, it feels uncomfortable. I don't like the visual of um, a woman in chains of a woman. In in the physicality of it. it's quite it's quite physical. She's there and she she's being used, and I just I don't I can't put into words what I don't like about it very easily. But I it's quite I really don't like it. Yeah, and like they've it. never they've never done this before with any of their you know it's anyone like, they fought. It's like having a trophy, I guess. But I think it gets away with it because it's not just done as like a sporting trophy. It has a practical purpose. Is like arbitrary as it is, they need a little thing to stir their tea, and so they've salvaged one out of this broken mechanoid. But I get the uncomfortableness comes from the fact that she is in the shape of an attractive young woman, and having an attractive young woman tied shape up tied and up. subservient is a bit. Uh, it's kind of it doesn't feel like the joke is worth going into that area for. Shall we say? Yeah. Yeah, like it, I think you it, can justify it. I think you it. could do it, maybe, but not with a Sturmaster joke. Yeah, it's definitely justifiable, and it's definitely, like, the characters, I don't think it would occur to them that, them that there was anything wrong with it. And they and I don't think either the characters nor the programme makers had a sexual motive for any undertones there for either of them. I think you're right. I, but think, that's all, just, I think that's almost the problem. But it's it worries, just, it's it worries only me after that, you see the image on screen and you go, ooh. Yeah, it, it worries me that they... They maybe didn't see that. I don't think it was deliberate, but in a way that almost makes it worse. <laughs> yeah. But also, do they really need someone to hold the Sturmaster? No, they don't. But the basis of the episode <laughs> and the basis of what makes Lister go and jump for the phone and put everyone's lives at risk is that in his head, having a Sturmaster is the most important thing in the world all of a sudden. And so in order for that plot to be wrapped up, it makes complete sense for them to say, ah, oh, let's turn her into a Sturmaster. Because then they're happy because they've got something to stir their tea. You've got to be on board with the conceit, or you've got to, you know, you've got to convince yourself that it's a worthwhile thing, this conceit. But I <laughs> get <laughs> yeah, you've got to convince yourself the whole Sturmaster plot was in any way yeah, worth and doing I don't, I don't like it. But I think you can't have that taking up Ten minutes worth of the episode and not pay it and off not, at the yeah, end. To... Yeah, you you need something. If you're gonna do it, let, don't just have it fizzle out. You've got yeah. to at least give it a punch. Yeah, yeah no, I, I get. Don't get me wrong. I, I get why they did it. I just wish they hadn't. Yeah, is how I put it. But you know that completely distracts you from the fact that Rimmer is gloating over the death of his brother. So oh, that's fine. That's <laughs> fine. I've got a problem with that. No, and I've seen that justified by people <laughs> saying, "Well, it's Rimmer is a cunt," so. I mean, I think how, uh, so weird that because Howard's a hologram, so you can just bring him back. But Rimmerworld clearly puts on <laughs> records that it is possible. It's not common, but it is possible a for a hologram to, to die. die. Yeah, and I think you need to have the kind of jeopardy that a hologram. If a hologram dies, then they can't be brought back. I've always assumed that a hologram could die, though. I always, I never, I didn't even need that saying. Mm. Almost, I've because. Why, why wouldn't they? They would die in a different way, surely, but I never saw why they couldn't. Well, obviously, then the joke at the end of all that is the fact that Howard gets the accolades and all that stuff at the end, which yeah. really pisses Rimmer off. It's like, even though Howard died, 
it's like he still the, wins it's like the Scott Amundsen thing it's like just Scott died before Amundsen could get there it means that he actually gets the accolade rather than you know the, the, the problem is I suppose is you start Red Dwarf changed the idea of a hologram at one point it was coming from a central computer yeah and then they changed it to give it more personal jeopardy into it not coming from a central computer but being its own self-contained thing and, it was, and that's the problem isn't it and also originally it was a rare thing um, rather than uh, now I wouldn't be surprised to find hologram knocking about the universe is like you know the hollow ship is not a new thing but yeah. uh, in series one there could only ever be one hologram and then <laughs> and you assume that that's the case throughout the universe and throughout mm-hmm. da 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 but now it seems like holograms uh, almost like a sort of, sort of species in themselves natural really. species yeah natural type which again makes it make sense that they would have to die because society wouldn't work <laughs> It's weird because <laughs> I've always thought that hologram could die per se, but I suppose it depends on how do they die. Well, we know do they die can... by shooting the hologram? Do they die by shooting the main computer? Well, yeah, the hologram can get old because out of time, mm. and they get old and fat. Oh wait a minute! So do you think holograms have DRM? Oh, that's it. <laughs> oh god, that's so like... you couldn't copy Just a hologram. So... It can only exist in one place at once. Yeah. And DRM also ensures that holograms have to age because society <laughs> insisted that holograms have to age because it's not fair. I, otherwise. I think my headcanon in universe explanation for the fact that Chris Barry is a human <laughs> and therefore <laughs> is older now than he was in 1988 and looks older is that he has aged at the exact same rate as Lister so that he's always in proportion to Lister to help keep Lister sane. Yes. Because if because if he if the hologram was in the same state he was that Rimmer was when he died, then Lister would now be like fifteen years older than him, yeah. and that would be weird. That wouldn't keep him sane. That no. would make him less sane. In fact, yeah, that would make him sentimental. <laughs> knowing it's like so, why, R- yeah. Rimmer has to age at the same rate as Lister, and That's also Chris Barry is a human being. <laughs> which yeah, but some people on the internet don't seem to grasp. A, <laughs> is Chris Barry wearing a wig? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right. <laughs> I just a quick thing that I mentioned because obviously this is going out before eleven, but um, I've just noticed why um, when we went to see eleven, um, Cat's makeup was so jarring to me because he's barely got any on in this, and really? I'd forgotten. Right. I'd completely forgotten that he's he's barely got any makeup. There's like. You know the shading because we, we watched a, an early face, episode the yeah. other day, and he usually has the shading down his cheekbone yeah. and then a, like from mm. his eyebrow. He hasn't, not in this episode. Right. So series ten was the exception. Yeah. But now to because you, that was the when most you saw recent. it on series eleven, yeah. it looked weird. And I was like, oh wow, why, why does he have it. so much? But it's not that it's off; it's the fact that it's on. It's yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? Though? Yeah. Yeah. You you've got used to it not being there without really noticing yeah. that it wasn't there. I didn't yeah. realise until I saw him in this and I thought, Oh look, he hasn't got all that shading, so yeah. that's why it was right. odd. What about Back to Earth? Has he got it in Back to Earth? Oh god. I'm not sure actually. Because okay. I really don't notice makeup. To remember I don't notice so, makeup in real life, got... I don't notice it on telly. <laughs> there, not... there are certain things in there that I just my brain can't process like identifying things and one of them is how people look pretty much yeah, like yeah, people's yeah. hair from series to series there are plenty of fans I don't get it yeah, yeah. I don't get I don't notice differences in Crichton's costume and then there are long 
discussions on G&T yeah. about Crichton's costume and I've never noticed any of this stuff and I've watched these episodes so many times but my brain doesn't care <laughs> it, it, will, so... it will notice a flash frame or a, or a boom, boom mic, mic. That's been yeah. but it will not notice something basic like costume yeah. it's really Some weird costume that you're good at noticing transient stuff but not stuff that's kind of longer life. I'm exactly the same though because when people mention stuff about Crichton's costume I'm like I don't really see what the problem is because I can't think of the comparison but so I for me, when someone it points it out, it's like, oh yeah. If someone's it makes show me a picture of the two, then great. But if they asked me to literally see one and then go look at another, I would not be able to tell you. I, the no, I would need to see a comparison. I think mm. I can't picture it in my head. I can't mm. picture Crichton series three. But costume I think, but I think we've head. all got a vague idea in our head of what Crichton should look like yeah. and what cats should look like. It's just articulating that. I mean, the me. face yeah. thing is obviously slightly different. Like with Crichton's mask and stuff, that stuff is obviously noticeable because Crichton, his, 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 mm. his face has changed so much over the last, you know, yeah. 20 For me, years. Yeah, it boils down with Crichton to looking right and looking wrong. I don't know that that's a really ridiculous <laughs> no, but it's true, unhelpful way of looking at things, but for me, Crichton either looks like Crichton or he looks wrong. Yeah, and I can tell you which Three, is four, which, five, but I can't six, tell you why. It looks wrong, and no, it looks right, and then it's, <laughs> uh, it's seven, eight. Like the, the yeah, it's I can, there's different, there's different degrees of right as well in my head. Series, That's more advanced se- than me. Series seven's mask is so weird for Crichton. The the the, the, the lines, the, the lines are so odd. That makes more sense in my brain though, the headcam thing, because it's like it's like scuff marks. <laughs> <laughs> it's like scuff marks on a table they're going to be lighter and more chipped than the bits on the, the flatter surfaces that's why that's the that's the way I think about that in my head about the reasoning why he's got these kind of like faded marks along the joins um, Cat in Back to Earth doesn't have the shading right okay oh that's weird because I've just looked it up on the Googles okay um but he does in the early series I'll be honest with you it took me a long time to notice that shading was there to I've notice they'd done the, they'd done the stripes off his face. It took me a long time oh, to realise that they were doing that. On the, on the first recording, I was like, oh. No, I mean in general. I mean oh, like I with Kat as, 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 a, as, a, as, a, as a thing he has on as a facial marking. It's something I never oh. noticed. Oh. It took me a long time to realise that they were there and they were yeah. always there. I've never noticed it. I don't even know what you're talking about. I literally, literally don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Kat, I have got, no clue. Oh, oh Okay. So I need to go back and look now. It's I, like a tabby cat. They've got he's got stripes that lead off his face down to his eyes and off his I've cheeks. Never seen this. Are you, you're talking shit. No, seriously. Is he not just dirty? No. No. <laughs> it's actual really, lines marking. Yeah. Actual I've lines. I've never ever seen this. Oh, they wow. become more and less pronounced. Yeah, that's the thing. They do. They are inconsistent, obviously, because because he's, <laughs> he's not real. But, but it's genuinely, not, I'm not even joking. Fine. I just do not. I've never now, seen them. Now I have to find you a picture that shows I'm the thing. I'm trying to find a good one. That's and we're really deviating weird. massively. <laughs> yes. This is all where, where were we where we can get to? <laughs> so, um, as a kind of way of wrapping up, I thought it'd be nice to revisit our original review Ooh. from, the, from uh, a couple of days after broadcast. Yeah. Uh, the idea was that whoever wrote the original review would... Um, would be here to read out what they said and say whether they agree with it, but that's Capsy and he's fucked off. So uh, <laughs> I will do it in Capsy's voice. Can, can we guess what what whether he actually? Yeah. Can, we, can we get him on the phone? No. no. Right. Fair enough. <laughs> we'll guess. Actually, I'm gonna try that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, eight out of ten cats prefer Ganymede and Titan. Pro loudspeaker.
Let's just leave it there for this, the rest of the this podcast. Is... Fade out. <laughs> <laughs> this would have been brilliant if, if he answered, but yeah. as, as he doesn't, it's useless. Oh, well. <laughs> there ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. So I will read it out in Capsie's voice and then we can guess whether Capsie still agrees with his opinion. <laughs> it may not be possible to summarise this messy collection of varied and probably contradicting opinions. Where's he from? <laughs> Yorkshire. Here you are, Yeah. apparently. <laughs> but just in case it's not clear, I loved Trojan, warts and all. The whole episode was infused with a great sense of fun and silliness and that intoxicating atmosphere helps carry the show... No, you're going too far north, come back. <laughs> ...through various bumps and iffy moments. It's not t- perfect, it's not even <laughs> Red Dwarf at its best, but it's left me with an overwhelming warm and fuzzy feeling. That's far more than I could ever ask for a show that over the years has already given so much. Doug, Chris, Craig, Robert and Danny clearly have a ton left to give and I'm taking every fucking last bit. <laughs> You, you did keep veering up to Newcastle. <laughs> 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 that's what Capsy thought. Uh, the the gist is that it was uh, varied and contradicting opinions, but the whole episode was infused with such a great sense of fun that it the atmosphere carried it through. And I think that's fair enough. <laughs> so like I was saying, there are, there are issues with Trojan, there are issues with the pace of it, but there's so much good stuff in there. Yeah. And they... It, I think it's great as a series opener. It re-establishes uh, and reassures, I think. It's like, yes, we're back, and the show is now back to its roots of being... A, and this is the cliche that was always trotted out when they were promoting it, but yeah, it's yeah. it's back to the old thing of the four guys on the ship. But, but more than that, it, the humour is about the characters once more, and it's about the situation. Yeah. And that's why it works so well to re-establish it and also it's interesting that you start it off with the Rimmer one to re-establish as well because Lister is the main character of Red Dwarf but Rimmer has so it's, much more potential for plots and it, so much more depth yeah it's, it's weird because you do sort of tend to think that Lister is the sort of the main character because he's the centre of the whole the plot centres completely around mm. Lister but the majority of plots in Red Dwarf don't really no. venture to Lister very, very often in fact well they do it twice in this series but I'm hard pushed to think of episodes Lister, where they really are Lister-centric. Really. I think Lister is the protagonist of Red Dwarf, but he's not necessarily the central character. Yeah. Pichuan. Yeah. It's I, I kind of... I was very down on Trojan, I recall, at the time. And I kind of have broadly similar feelings now, except I'm not maybe quite as down on it as I was. Uh, hold that thought. Hello, Jonathan Caps. This is uh, this is Ian Symes calling from Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcasts. You're live on the Dwarfcast. He's not actually live. Also, this this connection isn't working very well. Yeah, we we had an idea to do a funny thing on a dwarf cast, but the connection is so shit that it's not actually going to work. It's like <laughs> you're in the water. So as you were, 
I'll text him in a second. Yeah, I kind of feel like. No, I do. No, I do. I'm quite down on Trojan. I wish I wasn't. I'm, and I like certain jokes in it. I love the moose stuff. I like the big um, initial scene with Howard quite a lot. I was surprised at how much I enjoyed the twat line this time around because I'd forgotten it watching it. But the, there's too many bits that niggle mm. for me. Mm. And that's kind of how I felt at the time as well. Um, and I... I, I think I think I am yeah I I am less enthusiastic about it now than I was at the time I think because the more you watch it and the more the comedy uh, like obviously the the tenth time you see it you're not going to laugh as much as you do the first time mm-hmm. you see it and so once some of the impact of that comedy is gone you are you do notice the issues with it with the pacing and a few plot issues more. Uh, and so I do think that maybe we will see in the next time there's a survey. Maybe it would. It's currently uh, in the silver survey. It was uh, ranked as the second uh, best episode of the series. I think it's slightly lower than that. I think it's third or possibly fourth. Um, at least third. At least third. Yeah, definitely at least third for me, but possibly fourth. Um, but I think it is still good. And I think actually fourth. Yeah. I no, think I, I think fourth. if your middling episodes are still really good, then. We're in good shape. But we'll get onto those other five episodes in the following five weeks. Uh, so join us next week for our commentary for Fathers and Sons. But until then, from me, Ian, John, Danny and Joe, Ed bye everybody. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Uh, I've just got a text from Capsi. I asked him whether his um, opinion on Trojan has changed in the last four years. And the answer is, no, not really. Right. Thank, Brilliant. Thanks for that, Capsi. Fantastic. Thanks. Brilliant contribution. Thanks for yeah. the